We are recording. We are recording. Happy Thanksgiving, friend. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, and I noticed you are not in all Bruce Lee attire like I am, even though it's his 80th birthday tomorrow. I'm not. My 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 Bruce Lee T-shirt unfortunately shrank. In, uh, yeah, and then I loaned another one out, so I have two Bruce Lee T-shirts. One shrank, and then one is with a friend. Yeah, and you are totally out of frame right now. Still How's partially this? out of frame. There you go. Perfect. That's great. Uh, how about oh, we no. just do the forehead? Yes. Okay. That way. We'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get there. there. Just Gavin's hand talking the whole time. All right. Okay. Now you're good. Yeah. When you lean back. Oh, relax. Perfect. So how was your morning run? Uh, the morning run was uh, usurped by the morning or the late night uh, plumbing problem in the new apartment. Oh, great. Ran the garbage disposal both both sinks came up, so I was up until maybe about 2 a.m. fixing that. But I woke up to a clear sink, so I'm, I'm happy. Hey, you know what? How was That's yours? Important. Yeah, oh, mine was good. Yeah, so as I said, when I woke up this morning, it was windy. It was freezing. You know, I had all my outdoor running gear ready. This is for, like, my meditative morning run. So it's like I do a very leisurely 5K through the forest. It's completely flat also. Oh. Most of my runs are mountain runs where I go uphill always. But this is, like a meditative run. I'm listening to like meditation music running through this path in the forest. But because of that, it's in this little valley. The sun is like shining, but blocked by all the trees. So it's freezing cold. It's windy. And I had all my cold running gear and my gloves, but my hands were still freezing. So that went great. Then I did my yoga, uh, which I haven't done for like a week, which, you know, sucks. And so I got to do that, my meditation. I'm good. So now I apologize, everyone. I'm eating my breakfast at the same time. And then after this, I'll do my Excuse me, workout for the day and then gorge my face. <laughs> yes. And I'm looking forward to it. So <laughs> Me too. Uh, me too. But you know what else I'm looking forward to? Talking about the movie we are doing today. Yes. Uh, and even though it is a historic day tomorrow, Bruce Lee's 80th birthday, we are not talking about anything related to that. <laughs> oh. And I just thought about this uh, this morning. I'm like, man, maybe we should have. But you know what? We're the Martial Arts Mania podcast. We go against the trends, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. So we're going to start <laughs> off this episode before we even talk about the film we're going to be discussing. You have a new entry you'd like to do at the beginning of these episodes. Yes. So we're, we're going to give this a shot. And so the cat, it's basically like a, a quick fire round of questions where I'm, I'm going to ask you, AJ, some questions. You're going to have all the right answers. And then I'm going to have a, a list of acceptable answers on my end. I'm going to have them written down already. So if we are showing this, You'll, viewers will see it at home. And of course, you'll just see that. I'm not just making these up on the fly. Uh, the caveat is today we're, we're discussing a Western martial arts film, a straight-to-video film. So most of the movie, most, these questions will relate to that subgenre. So you whenever got it. We go, Let's do it. Whenever we, yep. All right. You ready? Yeah. So, easy one. Who is, who has, which actor has played himself, twins, or alter egos more than any other actor so whether it's a doppelganger a twin um that would be the great <laughs> jean-claude van damme and let me tell there you, you what comes those were jcbd so we started off with double impact and i think you know what i always and i got to go see a screening of double impact at the egyptian where oh. i actually got to meet and talk with sheldon Ledich, uh the the writer of Bloodsport, the director of uh, lionheart double impact those films very nice guy but i i always have this theory that 
Van Damme, when he did that first one, was like, it was like having his first hit of a drug. He's like, you know, I kind of like picking to me. It's, it's, it's the more Van Damme. The people like this. So, you know, it's like we had double impact. Then we had maximum risk. Mm-hmm. Then the one everyone forgets about. And the thing is, maximum risk, they're never interacting with each other. The one twin dies at the beginning. Yeah. And then the other one's trying to solve his murder. And it's you know, the that's edgy, when I need to go back. Edgier, sudden death. Yeah. And I need to go back and revisit that one because uh, it had Natasha Henstridge in it, uh, who was a big 90s actress, species. Uh, it had some great actual real martial artists in it, including Rob Kamen, uh, one of the most famous kickboxers of all time. But uh, so I need to go and re-examine that. But then the third one, the one people forget about, is The Replicant. Yep. Which, if I'm not mistaken, I think that might have been his first, one of his first into the foray of, like, straight-to-video films when mm-hmm. he was doing, like, that's when he suddenly was no longer in theaters. Yeah. Well, very good. I don't, think anyone, I don't think anyone has touched him. Like, going back to, like, the classic era, like, silent era, no one has touched yeah. playing across a from himself more than Jean-Claude Van Damme. Um, okay. This one is, like, I'll just ask it. What is the best uppercut slash body shot ever recorded on film? Hint, it's in slow motion and it's got a really good wind up. Who threw it and in what movie? But see, I'm Western. Now, I think we're thinking of different ones because the greatest uppercut in slow motion in a Western martial arts movie is Bloodsport. Oh, oh. sumo guy's nuts, (laughs) dog. That's the greatest one. Like, no, without a doubt, because who else could flex the bicep at the end like Van Damme? And it's just, and then that that shot, and then it's like, but the the, the sumo guy's already dying, you know, from that. But uh, so, let's see here. You're saying it's a huge windup, slow motion, uppercut, Western martial arts movie. Uh, I think you've got it. I think you've got it. I think my 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 well, correct what was answer, your answer Chuck Norris, Delta Force Two, Colombian Connection. Good one too. Very good one. It is, it yep. is good. It is good. Yeah, we've talked about that before, actually. It, it's a ridiculous one. It, the stunt. I don't know how the his the stunt the actor took that because there's he definitely took it. Um, all right. What is the greatest television martial arts fight scene? And I have three written down here. Well. Okay, so I, I'm 99% positive you're going to go with Samuel Hung and Mark Dacascos' Martial Law Season 2. Yep. Okay, so and that is one of the best, I agree. Uh, so pretty much most of the ones you're going to think about are going to be for Martial Law, uh, for like one-on-one fight scenes. And I think we almost have to look at the original era of martial arts television, so even like, mm. you know, 2000 and before us, posing now because for example warrior the current uh television show has some phenomenal fight scenes in it uh and i'm re-watching season one with jessica before we start season two which is already premiered but uh as like so in martial law though i love the fight scene with olivier gruner yep that's another good. great one martial law yep. uh let's see here from in martial law in specific like the one-on-one fight scenes I'd say those are the, I mean, the two that stand out the most for me. On Walker, Texas Ranger, mm-hmm. there was definitely some good ones. He had some great ones with Richard Norton. He had some great ones with Marshall Teague. Yeah. Uh, What's your favorite Marshall Teague one? I, I like the one I, the with Marshall, Marshall Teague. Teague one, okay. 
is his role where he's playing the super rich businessman that's trying to avenge <laughs> his nephew because it's done so much like a, like a Japanese samurai film and they zoom in on yes. the eyes and it's he's got this like he literally pulls the sword and and then zoom yeah is that the it's one you were fantastic. thinking of that's yeah that's so that those were my top two Samo versus Mark nice. Dacascos and then Chuck versus uh, Marshall Teague of course because I didn't want to repeat the show and then a third place you got to go with Sasha Mitchell step by step bar fight. Dude, and the thing is, we were joking about the other the other day, but that was one of those early introductions to the martial arts for me because I watched Step by Step as a kid. When Step by Step came out, I was like four or five, so I used to watch that regularly with TGIF. And I remember the episodes when he was doing martial arts. I was like, whoa! And like fighting against the bullies. And there's the bar fight, which I think is like season one or two when Patrick Duffy jumps into. And I'm like, whoa! Patrick Duffy's a badass, also. But uh, definitely great entries. All right, next question. Okay, we got two more questions. One is. What VHS tape did I find at storage yesterday? And I actually found two. Uh, and what am I holding in my hand? Well, you have to give me a hint because uh... okay. <laughs> so they're both they're both American straight to video right. movies. Uh, one I actually have two VHS tapes. You've already seen one of them, and another stars uh, one of the actors that I discuss a lot that nobody else discusses. So it's a Jeff Win- a Wincott movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, Martial Outlaw? Very close. It's uh, Martial Law 2 Undercover, the Japanese release. So it's just called Undercover. And oh. look at this. Such a beautiful cover. All the Japanese movies. That's, those are so cool. And uh, you very graciously uh, loaned or uh, me your Rage and Honor. Uh, Lady, uh, I think it was Lady Dragon. Lady Dragon. Sorry, Lady Dragon yeah. VHS tape. Uh, and that thing is dope. Uh, yeah. So what's the other one? The other one is, as you know, I found Sword of Bushido a couple weeks ago. Yes. So I went back in. I found Sword of Bushido, the Japanese release. Look at this cover. Dude, that looks like just, Conan. Yeah. That is And then awesome. so when you rent the videos in Japan, they would leave that out and this would stay in the store and it would just tell you it's out right now. And when it comes so, back in. Right. Did you rent it and never return it? Is there like <laughs> a bounty hunter in Japan looking for you right now to collect yeah. the dudes? Uh, Obata-sensei is looking for me right now. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, uh, the video store was closing down, so. Nice. I, right. I did a lot of that, too. The The final question today. Uh, okay. It has many acceptable answers and one not acceptable answer. Uh, greatest villain in U.S. martial arts movie history. Ooh. And this Great. will lead into the movie we discussed, but... Nothing okay. to do with the movie we discussed. I think I can tell you one of the greatest actors who was in multiple films, including one you already discussed, and what actually two we just kind of discussed. Uh, well, two two great sequels, and that mm-hmm. would be Mr. Billy Drago. Oh, very nice. He has made the list. Did he make I your have, list? Yeah, he did. He did four oh. acceptable answers, and he's one of the four. Excellent, because Billy Drago is just so cool and mean man <laughs> and uh the funny part is you know he was an acting coach like i think that was like his his kind of main gig he did yeah but okay so i'm gonna go with billy drago who was in uh delta force 2 and lady dragon 2 right and and martial law 2 and martial law but- 2 oh, jesus <laughs> wow three okay I, that totally slipped my mind but if i was to pick my personal favorite for a villain Mm. and Billy, i put billy drago in fourth place okay 
so I'm going to pick one that I think maybe like wouldn't even be on your list. Okay. And, but it's one of my personal favorites and, uh, that's Rian Hunter in no retreat, no surrender three. That is Franco. a great choice. Great yeah. choice. I did not put him on here. That is a really great choice. Excellent. So, or, or, uh, <laughs> My next one would be, and I, all I have to do is look up real quick, his name in the film uh, is, oh. uh, let's hear because there we go, is Keith Vitale as Robert Sawyer in Super Fights. Really good. Nice. Yeah. I like these. I'm going to have to go back mm-hmm. and watch those two movies. I'm inspired. Mm-hmm. So the answers I have, of course, are Don Nyam, Sifu Don, a Stingray and Undefeatable. Okay. I mean, he went all in. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I mean that, yeah, without him, that movie doesn't, you know, that movie is just another guardian, not guardian angel. Uh, there's another, uh, Rothrock movie without him. It just doesn't fly. Let, well, real Nor- quick though. Let me say yes. that is the best entry. I'm ashamed. I apologize. Sifu Don. Uh, it's just, it's a, it's a role of its own, man. It's like a life of its own. It's it yeah. can't be, nothing can compare to that. It's, it's kind of like Bruce Lee where we don't even include Bruce Lee on some of our lists. Cause it's just, yeah, well, not- it's like, exactly. Uh, yeah. I also have Richard Norton here because of his role on Lady Dragon. He just mm-hmm. he goes full psycho when the girls are like fighting for diamonds in this pool, and yeah. that that level of psychotic plus the martial arts skill set just yeah. put him on the list. And of course, we've discussed him before. Powers Booth, mm. sudden death, the manicured yeah. henchman, and well, Billy Drago. Su- yeah, sudden go death ahead, great role for him. But my obviously preferred Powers Booth role is Rapid Fire. And that oh, was yeah. actually the rapid fire soundtrack was on my meditative run this morning. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I love powers booths uh, in both those songs, but rapid fire. So it looks like you've been having a bad day. Huh, <laughs> but uh, anywho, that was, that was great. Are those all the questions? Yeah. That, those are all the questions. I have one not, not acceptable. And that was David Carradine in martial law. <laughs> yeah. And any of those. Yeah, yes. any, martial anything. law. Yeah. Okay, so right. uh, would you like to introduce the film we we're talking about today? Because this was I, your I, choice. It's a great choice. And I hope we can educate people. Well, you know, I think when people think about the straight to video martial art subgenre that we have in this country, it's easy to to pick movies that might not have the best production value or might be easy to laugh at. There might be some scenes that you can chuckle at. For me, what I liked, you know, I gave you a list of a few films. They're all movies that have some serious component to it. And I'm really happy that you chose this one out of the list. And it's College Kickboxers. It is such a, it is a small budget film with some weird, you know, some wonky writing and some wonky acting in places. But it, it also has some great lessons in the film and not to mention some great fights. So, and so college real kickboxers. Quick, yes. yes. Let's talk about when was the first time you ever saw this film? Uh, probably unbeknownst to me was a few was maybe like 10, 10 or so years ago. And then it reappeared to me uh, like on YouTube uh, mm-hmm. about two years ago. And I rewatched okay. it then. So for me, this is one I've actually only seen in more recent years so i'd say it's probably about three years ago yeah uh that i first saw it 
and I'll, I'll kind of get to that later. But because when I moved back from China, uh, we were living in LA and I, you know, signed up for Amazon Prime. And I didn't even know for like the first couple months that uh, you got all this free like viewing with it. Because at the time, they didn't have that much original content. It was just sort of starting out. And uh, then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I can watch movies. And then you see how many martial arts movies on there. You're like, whoa. And this is one of those ones that I stumbled upon. And I had heard of it before, maybe briefly, but was reluctant to watch it simply because as a kid, I had watched an absolutely terrible martial arts film called Kickboxing Academy. And I think I subconsciously was just kind of putting the two together or maybe even thinking it was uh, the, the, the same film. I'm not sure, but I was pleasantly surprised when I first watched it. In fact, I was shocked because you start off watching it and you think, okay, American martial arts. Okay. I recognize that guy. Recognize that guy. And then with that very first fight scene, you're like, wait a minute, this, this is filmed a little different. Okay. This could still, wait a minute. They, they, that angle right there, that edit right there, that cut, that's kind of Hong Kong S no, I'm just seeing things. And then the very last, like, bam, bam, bam. You're like, wait a minute, what's going on here. And then that's why this one is one of those American Hong Kong co-productions that really flew under the radar. It's not on a whole lot of people's list. It's not at one of the seasonal films. It's not a golden harvest one, obviously. Uh, And really even the, the Hong Kong aspect of it is almost kind of downplayed Mm -hmm. uh, being that there's no like quote unquote famous people involved on that end, but it is definitely a Hong Kong American co-production with Hong Kong style fight scenes. Absolutely. And I mean, uh, just speaking about the Hong Kong style fight scenes, when I was rewatching it ahead of this podcast, I was picking up maybe for the first time that I should have picked up before even the sound effects. It sounds Mm -hmm. like Hong Kong, like when they're throwing the kicks, the punches, even when they're landing, it sounds like a Hong Kong film, not, uh, not a major hit slow mo, like a slow motion uppercut where it's like this huge base to it. It's everything's like light moving. It just, it, it, even the sound matches. I'm going to mute myself because of the plane. Okay. So real quick, the basic plot of this film involves a college freshman uh, named James Caulfield, played by Ken McLeod, who is a regular of the straight-to-video martial arts scene of the early 90s. Uh, He was also uh, in one we discussed last week, the uh, Billy Blanks. Oh, you back there? Yeah, I'm back. Okay. Uh, the Billy Blanks uh, classic showdown. He was mm-hmm. the back. It's funny. So in this film, he's a college freshman. And then it's like he gets older, older, and then suddenly goes back to high school in showdown. But yeah. either way, a college freshman shows up. He's already a martial arts expert. His roommate happens to be a martial arts expert. They butt heads at first. Then they spar and fight and they become brothers. Then it's all about uh, them trying to win this big martial arts tournament to keep the other roommate, uh, uh, Mark, played by a guy named Mark, uh, his, his dojo open to help the community. So eventually they run into some uh, racist skinhead group called the White Tigers. Uh, really over the top, but kind of fun. Interesting thing to note, though. Did you notice there was an Asian guy in their group? Yes, I did notice that. Yeah. So yeah. there are this and radical, like, skinhead racist group that hates everyone that's not white, but they've got an Asian guy in their crew. But anyways, I digress. So pretty much, they, he goes up. So our protagonist, James, he goes up against them at first. 
and is doing just fine. But they attack him at his job at the Chinese restaurant. And then he's mm-hmm. saved by the chef who then ends up being a Kung Fu master, teaches him his secret ways. They defeat the bad guys in the end in a big tournament, so forth, so forth. Pretty straightforward stuff. It, 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 it is a straightforward story. It's what it's like what takes place in between. And in specifically anytime his, uh, his chef slash boss slash Kung Fu master is on screen. It's, these are, these are phenomenal moments. They, whether it's him just even, uh, so the actor is, so in America, it's listed as Tang Tak Wing, but I guess, uh, it's Tak Wing Tang. Yeah. Correct. Uh, well, yeah, so this would obviously, and here's the deal. There's not a whole lot of information on this gentleman, but what yeah. I first want to bring up is uh, the per- per- the producer of this film is Teresa Wu, who's yes. very significant because she was the driving force behind the Iron Angels films. In fact, mm-hmm. she was the director, uh, producer, writer, which is kind of, when you think about Hong Kong 80s action cinema, obviously just like here, action cinema was a male-dominated genre, and she was you know, creating these films that were also part of the girls with gun subgenre with Moon Lee, Yukari Oshima. We've talked about them before. And so on top of that, she kind of gave Stanley Tong one of his first big gigs when he became the fight choreographer for these films. And this gentleman, Takwin Tong, was mm-hmm. part of that crew. And that's why he ended up having behind the scenes kind of a prolific career working with Stanley Tong. Uh I mean, he worked on the martial arts crew of uh, Super Cop. He was mm-hmm. an action choreographer. He was, uh, you know, he worked on Iron Angels 2 and 3. He was uh, credited as the stunt coordinator, I think, for number three. He was the action coordinator of this film. Uh, once again, stunt performer on Legend of Drunken Master, which wasn't Stanley Tong, but, you know, obviously he would have met Jackie on Super Cop. Uh, yep. Really in front of the camera, a few Chinese films and then this one, but it's really hard to find any information on this guy. And so coming back to the name, you know, tackling Tong, that's a Cantonese pronunciation, but he could have very easily, and he has like a Cantonese accent, but he could very well be from the mainland. And the little bit I was able to find out about his martial arts background is, uh, and you see this in the sequence where he's doing his form in the forest and he makes the yin yep. yang symbol is he definitely has a background in Tai Chi, which you see, Praying Mantis, which he does the whole Northern Praying Mantis. But then I think his base system, the one that he's teaching the uh, forms uh, to uh, James in the film, is a system I've looked at. I'm pretty sure it's uh, Hapgar Lohan Kun, uh, which just seems to be a Southern style uh, by name. But by the way it looks, it looks like a Northern style. And I I looked at some YouTube videos. and I believe that's the system. And I've, I've seen it listed under different names. I've seen it listed under just Lohan Kun, which is definitely a Cantonese pronunciation because Kun mm-hmm. is Cantonese. Chen would be Mandarin. Uh, I've seen it under Hopgar. Uh, I've seen it as like a base system for uh, Jiao Ga, which is another Southern one. So I'm not sure. But in that one sequence where he does the form by himself, he's obviously combining the three martial arts. And he's, he's a very talented, real martial artist as opposed yeah. to you know, even being raised in the opera or something, he, he has like a real foundation. And the reason I think it's more Northern, obviously Northern praying mantis, Tai Chi, but also his kicks are, are he has very good uh, Chinese style kicks that are very high and fluid, which is more of the Northern style. That's really, I, I, I love that you did, did that. And actually that, uh, 
that you did that research. And I, I, I think that's one of the advantages of my talking with you each week, getting a little deeper into this because just watching him on screen, um, there's that, there's that one moment where he's just standing in the woods before mm-hmm. he does his, uh, his, uh, Tai Chi or, or Kata before he does, before he goes into his forms and even just looking at him on film, it's not like he's exuding. There's any reason to think that this guy would have a lot of charisma, but it's just, he, your eyes go straight to him standing right. there. And then he has that flashback into a phenomenal yeah. uh, fight the sequence. Best fight scene of the movie. So oh very God. much, it makes no sense. And it comes out of nowhere. It's like, I kind of get it. So for reference, there's a sequence in the film. So Mark has already been training with his now Sifu for a little while. And he's supposed to meet him. And he, he makes a lot of weird demands. Meet me here at this time. So he's supposed to meet him in the middle of the, like, excuse me, in the forest in like the middle of the night, or I should say, like, like crack of dawn, it appears, or I don't know. And he, he's going there and Mark hasn't showed up yet. So our Sifu decides to like do a form. And I guess maybe what's supposed to be is like a visualization of, you know, even like before when I'm training kickboxing, I'm about to hit the bag, I might visualize, right? My movement, like, okay, someone's punching me, I'm slipping, slipping. And I think it's supposed to be a similar concept, but really it's just a great opportunity to inter- insert a random fight scene that has nothing to do with the movie. He's not fighting anybody in the movie. It's just like a Hong Kong alleyway style fight scene, mm-hmm. which is amazing. And when watching that, you're like, damn, I just want a whole movie of that because a lot of the fight scenes are good in this film, but you know, with Western performers doing them and with their particular yeah. martial arts backgrounds, phenomenal martial art, martial artists, but not necessarily Chinese stylists or even like more fluid kickboxing styles. So, uh, Sometimes it comes off a little choppy, but this sequence is straight up belongs in a Hong Kong movie. And it, it, it you know, so story wise, what I took the scene as was uh, I saw it almost like as a flashback, sort of like the visualization. So he was using that what he did the the flashback to propel him right. through his forms, and you know, uh, you know what do you call it? Spoiler alert! At the very end, he kind of goes off into the sunset. Uh, yeah. So I always felt like he, this is his life now where he goes off into the sunset. He can't show, he, he hides because he's probably killed someone. I don't know what his uh, immigration status is necessarily. Obviously I think he's killed someone here in the States because that, that alleyway fight took place here. And Mm. so he's here, he's training Mark. He doesn't want Mark to, to, to go into a tournament. Mark goes into a tournament, wins the tournament, puts up the sign with, Sifu Wing's name on it, and Wing strikes it down, and then he gets in his car and leaves. So Damn, I feel like it. he's. So I, I was like, "Where's College Kickboxer 2? And let's just follow uh, Sifu Wing, bro. You just that's blew what I my mind because that's a deep dive <laughs> I would never even considered, but it makes total sense because think about this: after so Mark, pretty much one of the promises he makes his Sifu is that he won't fight in tournaments, but in the end, he ends up having to to save the school and fight off the, the racist. And also Mark, his personality has changed. He's now like a, he's got that Bushido honorable code. So it's not a matter of glory anymore. It's a matter of like saving the kids. And so when he goes to, and his Sifu shows up in the middle of the fight and like at first kind of looks disapproving, but then kind of like nods at him and yeah. that gives him the inspiration to win. But when he goes to see him the next day, his Sifu is leaving. He's packed yeah. all his bags. I never yeah. thought about that. He's just like, oh, I'm leaving. So I think you're onto something. He is maybe a wanted criminal on the yeah. run or something. And that's why he can't have exposure. It's kind of like Jackie Chan and Fearless Hyena. 
where his grandpa tells him he can't use the family Kung Fu style because he'll get recognized. Yeah. But, uh, wow, man, that's, that's, I think you're on something, dog. So, I mean, I think there's, there is a goofy script at least. Uh, and I mean, people should know, uh, I guess, trigger warning, the, the white tiger leader, he's pretty free flowing with some racial slurs. Um, <laughs> and kind of creative with racial slurs in a way. So just, just before Warren, the very first scene, like I, I was, I was rewatching it in the apartment and, you know, Emily, Emily walks in while I'm watching it. There's a few choice words. And what are you watching? I'm like, it, it's, it's okay. It works out. Uh, these yeah, are bad totally, guys. He's totally over the top in the best kind of way, but not, not like he's an intentionally good actor. He's obviously a terrible actor. Yeah. And so the top, but it just works for this genre, but well, the the random insertion of that fight scene real quick for reference though for anybody that's a fan of bruce Bloitation, it's kind of similar to dynamo where they randomly throw in fight scenes from other movies uh not even bruce lie it's uh you know danny lee in uh the shaw brothers uh bruce lee and i film whatever and another sequence and it's just kind of like wait what it's just literally we're gonna throw in a fight scene at least this one you just given some explanation to it that i think actually makes total sense yeah I, I think i think it was so again like the script is kind of wonky but they're they're like overarching script at least for like what i've read into it there's something special about the story and just particularly there's something special about uh sifu wing's character um and i mean yeah we uh speaking speaking of his martial arts i i just really also appreciated the kata sequence or the i'm sorry the form sequence in the and on the ice skating rink is, yeah. you know, it, it, he, he literally is shoeless doing forms on an ice skating rink. And I don't think that there's, there's, there isn't budget for CGI. There isn't budget to. It's 1991 dog. Yeah. This is, no, this is. A, it's such a subtle sequence that yes, you see Mark fall down and do it. You're like, Oh, cause he's a beginner. But no, even as a, when you see him doing his form, on the ice, barefooted, not slipping. You're like, that is, wow. That's balance. Yeah. That's true martial arts abilities. I, I think dating back to I, the, the earliest probably martial art film I ever saw, like dates back into the 70s and 60s. I, I mean, I've seen a few earlier ones, like with the, actually, yeah, the Kurosawa ones with the, with the judo. Uh, the training sequences in these films are always a little outlandish. And I mean, we of course all know the karate kid wax on wax off. Uh, what I really appreciated about this was it is a little outlandish to train martial arts barefooted in an ice skating rink, but they're actually doing forms and they're doing something that is pretty spectacular. It's kind of like uh, Jackie Chan's training in a few of those movies in the seventies where this is outlandish stuff, but right. he's really doing it. Oh yeah. It's like, is that effective? I don't know, but it's cool to look at. Yeah. And so speaking of training, speaking of martial arts, let's let's talk about some of the cast of this film. So this film was filmed in the Bay Area. It appears like San Jose. Mm -hmm. And like certain other uh, Hong Kong co-productions at that time, I believe a lot of this crew, uh, acting-wise and martial arts-wise, were part of uh, the West Coast Martial Arts uh, mm -hmm. School affiliation, which was Ernie Ray Sr., Ernie Ray Jr., you know, famously from Ninja Turtles movies together, they did surf ninjas. But for example, the uh, roommate, best friend guy, Mark Brown, played by Mark Williams. Uh, when I was re-watching Dragon Fight, the Jet Li 1989 film, whatever, filmed in San Francisco, 
I immediately uh, recognized him. I'm like, oh, that's Mark from College Kickboxers because that film has a lot of Bay Area well-known martial arts, including Ernie Ray Sr., George Chung, uh, Scott Coker, this gentleman. And so this actor, Mark Williams, also appeared in the next Jet Li American film, One the Master. He's part of the crew with Billy Blanks. And so I'd imagine that a lot of the martial artists in this film, especially that tournament scene at the end, are probably all affiliated with the West Coast martial arts chain of schools. And Ken McLeod himself, he used a Chuck Norris black belt from what I've discovered. I tried to find him on social media. I was researching. I was like looking through Facebook. I found a Ken McLeod that works for the Church of Scientology. Oh, interesting. I, I found one that uh, is a translator. Oh, all right. So we were both uh, creeping. But uh, <laughs> yes. and the interesting part is some of the most natural scenes for me in this film is when they're teaching in their martial arts school. Because the yes. second they start teaching, it's you can tell that they were real instructors. You know, obviously, the old school martial arts way is you learned in the school, you became an instructor. That's just the way it is. And it's just the second they do that, it's almost like you're not even watching a film. You're just watching a dojo because the yeah. way they instruct, the way they speak, the way they address the class. And I'm like, oh, wow, it's just it's very natural. And you're, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. The, the rigidity that exists yeah. trying to trying to deliver some of these choppy lines uh, just disappears. It's almost like that. That's a sequence of improvisation. And it's 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 comforting to see that. Yeah. And let's say if a lot of these guys were more of the point karate era fighters or that style, that's why sometimes the upper body movements become a little choppy, even with this great choreography, because they don't have the fluidity of like Chinese hand movements. They don't have the movement of Western boxing. So sometimes it's like the punches come off too big and open. And so that's my one critique of a lot of the fight scenes throughout. Obviously, the ones with the Sifu, we don't have that issue. But we were talking about this, the tournament fight scene at the end. And a lot of these American martial arts films have tournament fight scenes at the end, Karate Kid being the the most famous. But also a few of the Hong Kong co-productions had them with Hong Kong-style choreography. I mean, No Retreat, No Surrender. Has a similar thing in a kickboxing ring, right? Uh, but I have to agree with you that the ending fight is phenomenal. And I almost wonder if, like, subconsciously, they were able to throw more of that kickboxing style because they're wearing those gloves and they're like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Whereas they're more self defense style that they learn, especially in like Korean martial arts, the one steps, you know, you punch big like this, you block. <laughs> But, you know, if they were doing like point fighting, they might have a, a little bit more of that fluidity with those gloves. Because the ending fight between uh, our character James Caulfield, uh, played by Ken McLeod, and uh, one of the White Tigers, who's played by a very good friend of our senseis. Really? Yes, a good friend of Sugarfoot's named Jeff Langton. So here's a little backstory that I was referring to when I first watched this movie. So for years, Sensei had been talking about this friend of his that they called Rambo, because I guess this guy, he double, he was one of the doubles for Stallone in Rambo 3, and he's one of those guys that could do, like, anything. And I guess for Rambo 3, he got, he was already jacked, but he got super jacked, like, identical to Stallone. I guess this guy could do martial arts, gymnastics, whatever, and some British friend of theirs was there, like, oh, mate, I'll bet you can't do uh, 50 backflips in a row, blah, 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 and I guess he goes and does it. And this is a story that sort of puts me in many, a million times. And then I guess this British guy was like, Mike, he really is Rambo. 
And so I should have been talking about this guy for years. So I happened to watch this movie right before Dragon Fest, uh, that one where we kind of first met. Yeah. And this gentleman, Jeff Langton, was there. And uh, Sugarfoot's talking with him. He's like, oh, oh, AJ, this is Rambo. This is Rambo. And I walk up and I'm like, you're in college kickboxers. And I had literally of course, just of course. it. Like, it's another one of those weird things we talk about with the universe and stuff. And he's like, oh, yeah, you like that movie? I was like, yeah, you were great in that. Because in all honesty, he is really good. He does a bunch he of jumps and kicks that are phenomenal. So uh, his, his fight sequences, his fight sequences leading up to, leading up to the final against uh, Ken McLeod, uh, they are just so crisp, so powerful. And, uh, and Ken McLeod, I think there are like three fighters that really stand out to me beyond Ken McLeod. One is, the, you know, the, the main antagonist who isn't there the entire film and just shows up for this tournament. Uh, so probably I'm guessing they couldn't book him as the white tigers leader. So instead they booked the, the, the leader that they had yeah. and then, and then he got hurt. And then of course this guy just pops in to, uh, to kill it, to basically knock out everybody that he sees in, in the tournament and then face off with Kim McLeod. Right. Or they just needed someone of more stellar ability because he's yeah. like the main enforcer of the white tigers. That big guy just kind of sucks. Yeah. And I've, our I've, leader of the White Tiger sucks. So <laughs> he does suck. I don't know why they yeah. follow him. But yeah. I, I love, I love how uh, now that you told me that he was uh, still on stunt double. So the the White Tigers this leader has this like it. rumor has it. Uh, and if you look, and one of Jeff Langton's most famous roles though is as one of the fighters in Lionheart in the car garage sequence, where he's like, I don't know if I want to fight you or you. And then he once again punches him in the nuts. Classic Van Damme. Of course. Stat. But uh, if you, so you if got you a little look, bit of both. A little bit of both. So if you look on his filmography, uh, oh, he was a detective in A View to a Kill, uncredited. But real quick, let's hear stunts. If I'm looking for Rambo Three, he's credited as stunts. Okay. So whatever well, that means, I don't know. Well, what what I was gonna say is the the White Tiger leader has this sort of like grin that is ridiculous and <laughs> and then when yeah. jeff jeff langton sits down next to him he does the same grin so you go, oh okay i guess they're brothers because they yeah. have the literal like same like jawline he's like mimicking the the jawline but yeah that that fight sequence at the end and i mean we haven't discussed the the pressure point uh teaching that uh sifu wing does to does uh for to james caulfield and uh or ken mcleod and uh, and how he's holding back uh, in the fight, and you've you've already mentioned how Wing comes in and does the head nod, and uh, then the fight ensues. Ken McLeod wins, and then of course uh, Jeff Langton isn't going to take it sitting down, so he attacks him, and then he uses the pressure points. But well, uh, let's mention that right after this fight, and our protagonist wins, there's not one but two incidents of attempted murder. <laughs> because the, the leader of the white tiger takes a knife and he's like, I fuck this shit. And oh, there we go. I swear. And then yeah. he goes and then Ken easily, uh, no, it's, uh, Mark. Mark. Stops yeah. Him Mark. Knocks him out. Knife falls yeah. the ground. Everyone's like, okay, no big deal. That guy just tried to murder everyone. Yay. And then our second one, the guy he fights played by Jeff Langton, he picks up the knife and he tries to kill him 
And that's when he uses the secret pressure point techniques to stop him, which yeah. Wayne taught him and said, never use unless your life's in danger. Well, this counts. He was trying. And so he stopped him and he could do the final killing blow. He doesn't. And once again, guy like falls to the ground, whatever. And everyone's like, yay. I'm like, we, where are the cops? You guys should be calling the cops. <laughs> Both these gentlemen are part of a racist hate group and just attempted to kill a man. Yeah. Well, but, what, <laughs> go ahead. No, no, you're absolutely right. Um, you, you took the, your thought took my thought out of my, my out of my head. It wasn't going to be as funny though. So we should mention after the tournament, as we said, he goes to see Wing. Wing's like, "Oh, I'm leaving now. I've discovered since you've let me in that he probably murdered somebody." Uh, and so he takes him to the school that they use with. $25,000 for the winning that tournament, by the way. Yes, this that's what I was going to say. karate tournament. UFC fighters get paid like 5000 when they lose. So that's I'm just like, what the hell? But uh, Which would have never happened, even maybe in like a big grand national championship, but at the peak of like point karate. Uh, but either which way. Oh, and that's another interesting thing to note. Throughout all the fights at the beginning of the tournament, they're point karate, but then theirs <laughs> is like <laughs> kickboxing. So yes. whatever. And they do the classic fade to black so you can't see the audience because the the rest of the tournament you see all the audience everyone's mm-hmm. there and then once their final fight it's like fade to black the same yeah. thing used in no retreat no surrender the same thing used in american shaolin a lot mm-hmm. of these hong kong american co-productions because the ending fight is so intricate they can't afford to have an audience there and pay them to be there for so long yeah but either way so he takes his master to the school that they've opened and it's, you know, it says uh, James and uh, Sifu's, uh, what's the Sifu's name again? Uh, I think they call him Wing or is it Wang? Wing. There we go. Sifu Wing. Yeah. Sifu Wing. So it's James and Wing's uh, uh, Kung Fu school. He runs up, he crosses it out and puts Mark's name instead. And, and it's like this weird dynamic that they have because there's nothing wrong with uh, Takwing Tong as an actor. It's just the character development is very strange. It's like, you, you can never tell whether he's approving or disapproving. And uh, it's just like this weird relationship he has with James because really James does mostly everything right. Uh, yeah. And I mean, like he, you could, you, yeah, you, you could say by his like even withholding and not killing the white supremacist yeah. who was attacking him, he did, he did what Sifu Wang should have done or Wang should have done in the alleyway, at least in the flashback. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, yeah, it is a but, weird. It is it is an absolute weird dynamic. You're absolutely right, and I think that's one of the reasons that I like that character so much because it's not so straightforward. It, it right. feels more human, right? And uh, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, and we had jokingly talked about this the other day that it's too bad that there was never a Samo exploitation genre or Hung exploitation genre because this guy would be the key player because he is a like a smaller I, I smaller in stature version of Sammo Hunt, but the same yeah. build. More like a, a, a so I would say maybe slightly shorter. He is definitely heavier set, but not as big as Sammo, but definitely he has that build, which is where a lot of that power comes from. Yeah. And I would have loved to see him starring in and he even has uh his appearance and mannerisms are slightly uh, like Samo, because funny enough, Jessica watching as I'm watching and she says, oh, that guy kind of reminds me of Jeff, my Sonda coach 
from China. And I've always said mm-hmm. Jeff kind of reminded me slightly of Samo, some of his mm-hmm. mannerisms and stuff. But really, this guy, he actually looks a lot more like. I'll have to send you a picture of my uh, old coach so you can see. And uh, it's true. He kind of has that Samo quality. And I would have loved to see more from this uh, individual. But, I mean, opportunities. Obviously, this opportunity is probably presented to him like, Teresa Wu's producing this film. She needs someone to star in it that she doesn't have to obviously pay much that knows that's talented and it can also do the fight choreography. Oh, what about, and probably ask Stanley Tong, who would you recommend? And it's like, oh, well, why not tack? You know, and it'd be like, okay, yeah. perfect. Uh, can he speak English? Well, he can speak enough. Okay, that works. Because <laughs> he he seemed to have, uh, and he also speaks with like a Cantonese accent, which makes me mm-hmm. think he must be from Hong Kong, but I don't know. Uh, I, I really don't know. I'd love to find out more about him if anybody knows more about him or his martial arts background, the ones we were talking about, the, the Lohan Kun. I'd be very interested to hear. Our friend Sifu Alex would probably know because he's the Kung Fu genius, but, uh, and I'd like to think that I know a decent amount about Kung Fu, but every time I think I do, I'm like, wait, what's this style? <laughs> yeah. Um, so when we, when we look at, uh, the two lead actors in this, uh, I, you know, if you go on IMDb, you can find this stuff like Ken McLeod. I have 13 titles to his name. Three of the films that I found of note, college kickboxers showdown that we already discussed. And then he played sort of like, a uh, an agent in guardian guardian angel. He didn't get much fight sequences in, but I think we got a couple of kicks from him. That's with, uh, Cynthia Rothrock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then of course we've discussed it with, uh, Peck Wing Tang, college kickboxers, super cop, legends of drunken master. I also found a fight sequence, which is like 52 seconds. You probably saw it as well in Magnificent Warriors, where he goes against Michelle Yeoh. You stole the words out of my mouth. So when I first looked this guy up, when I saw this movie a couple years ago, that was credited on his IMDb and stuff. And you go back, it's the opening sequence where they're testing her out and you see him and he's phenomenal. That's no longer on his IMDb page or any other listing. So I'm like, maybe it wasn't him. But or maybe maybe I forget where I read that, but you were right. And that's one of the few times you can specifically spot him in Hong Kong cinema like there. And he's he's doing uh, it's when she's using like the, the whip rope thing. And yeah. Yeah. But real quick, you you did not mention some of the my favorite Ken McLeod roles. First of oh, all, please. he was the main like fighting villain. And this is what I would have picked as my number one car chase sequence uh, oh, that we were discussing. PM, that, PM entertainment. Chase. Yeah, is an out for blood. Yeah, like yeah. John the Dragon's on the top of the car, and yeah. uh, but then he fights Ken McLeod at the end. He's one of the enforcers, and also Ken McLeod is, uh, you know, uh, an anta- antagonistic character, not an antagonist, but to Gary Daniels in Deadly Target, mm-hmm. when Gary Daniels plays the Hong Kong cop that's coming over, uh, yeah. extradite uh, criminal back, and so he's like this you know, Kevin McLeod's the by-the-book LAPD officer that's supposed to escort him around. You know, it's funny is I saw those films so long ago, I didn't put Kim. I know I saw him on IMDb in those films, but I didn't put those scenes together. I have to go back and watch those because he's Chris. He's, he's a chameleon because, and you know what it is? All he does is change his hair color every movie. But change it makes his hair color, change his age. Yeah. Yeah, because in this one, he's blonde. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what I was going to say is we've, we've talked about, uh, it would have been great if there was a like subgenre of hung exploitation or for tech wing tang, I would have loved to have seen Ken McLeod get 
one more decent major role. And that goes back to this. Marshall mm. undercover. And there you I know go. we talked about this via text, but like what I, so Evan, um, Evan Lurie's in this film from, right. he's also in uh, double, double impact. Good, good, good fight sequences. Uh, he has good fight sequences. Uh, he and Jeff Wincott go against each other. Jeff Wincott beats him. And then at the end of uh, Undercover, he faces off with Paul Johansson or Paul Johansson. And it's a weak, it's a, it's a weak fight. And Paul Johansson already beats Evan Lurie earlier in the film, which is also a pretty weak fight. And I would have loved to have seen Ken McCloud in that role. He fit like the bill to a T. Anyway. Uh, somehow I brought this back to a Jeff Wincott movie. My apologies. Hey, but no, it's interesting to note. So uh, due to the pandemic, obviously, uh, a lot of, you know, the famous martial arts guys are, uh, they've been on social media more, right? There's not as yeah. uh, much to do. So uh, Don the Dragon Wilson, who's been quite active on Facebook. And he was mentioning how, uh, and I want to say it was Evan Lurie. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh I guess maybe I'm wrong. Never mind. Uh, I'm mistaken. I I swear though, it was he was talking about Evan Lurie was in Operation Cobra with him in India and got some like infectious disease and a flesh eating thing and it oh jeez like part of his arm. Maybe I'm wrong. Hold on, let me look it up real quick. Uh, Operation Cobra. Operation Cobra. Uh, let's see here. AKA Inferno. Oh, maybe that's, yes. Okay, sorry. So it was listed on IMDb as Inferno. Yeah. So he was saying apparently he got some sort of like flesh eating uh, like disease and it took off like a chunk of his arm and everything. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh my God. But when, and when you look at it, uh, he only did one movie after Inferno. And I wonder if like he was uh, like permanently damaged from that, but I don't know. Maybe he made enough from the movies he did. He's, he's re- went into retirement. Like, that's I, what I'm going to say. I, and, and hope. Yeah. Like jo- joking aside, like I've always like now talking about Evan Lurie, like I like how he signals when it's going to be a serious fight because his hair is usually down. And when it's a serious fight, he takes off his headband and puts his hair up. I think he did that at least in two movies. And he was maybe also three in the straight to video classic American Kickboxer 2 with I know. one of my all time favorite fighters, Dale Apollo Cook. Oh, it's such a good that that is actually a very fun movie. Kind of disjointed in places, but oh, uh, very disjointed. I love that. It's like wait, <laughs> the kidnapping where are they sequences. Supposed to be? But this is supposed to be Los Angeles, and so they do pickup shots in LA. But it's de- it's obviously in the Philippines. Yeah, I, I love the I love the kidnapping scene where the parents don't realize that their daughter's being kidnapped from the pool via helicopter yeah. because they have the blender on in the morning. So many plot holes in that movie, uh, and it, it's it's too bad for because Dale Apollo Cook one of my all-time favorite fighters, world kickboxing, world Muay Thai, world Shuto champion, uh, a pioneer, uh, started off in American kickboxing, obviously switched to international rules in Muay Thai, phenomenal kicker and fighter. He never really got his fair shake at the martial arts movie genre, but that's something we could discuss another day. But uh, let's talk final notes on college kickboxers. Would you recommend it to viewers? I would. I just, just be, you know, I know, in any era, anytime you hear racial slurs in a film, it's particularly like I, 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 I usually accept them in period pieces and or where it, it heightens the drama and moves the drama forward. This is a straight to video 
uh, movie and it has some racial slurs in it. But you know what? If you can get past that, if uh, the, the fight sequences and the, and the training sequences are definitely highly recommended. And something to note. So right from the get go. So in the film, uh, our characters of uh, Mark and James, uh, the, the, the two uh, James, obviously played by Ken McLeod, our main protagonist. Mark is African-American. James is white. And the funny part is when they have that first like confrontational like fight scene when they become roommates and then they immediately become buddies right there. It's like, oh, okay, we're friends now. Then that's when we first get the white tigers walk up. And this is when, before James has evolved as a human being and martial artist, before he studied with Sifu. So when he's still kind of an angry young man trying to prove something and his ego. But even at that point, when these racists walk up, he is like just immediately like, screw you, man. Like, I hate bigots. And he even says that, like, yeah. you know, and, I, and kind of that conviction of like, you know, I, you know, I may be a hothead, but there's some things that are unacceptable in this, in this world. And that's racist. And he actually straight up says to his love interest in the film, when they two butt heads at the beginning, yeah. uh, something like, she's like, why do you always have to fight or whatever? I forget what the context yeah, is. He, He's like, he just straight up I, says, I hate bigots. Yeah, uh, like he's just like pissed that anybody would be racist. And she's like, well, at least we can agree on something. This is before they like fall in love. Yeah. And then so, he asks her out to dinner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you really believe that it's like th- this guy is just pissed at the fact yeah. that anyone would be so uh, uh, hateful. Hateful. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So, hey, so, so, you know, disclaimer aside about the film and the, and the, the language for me, the best martial art films teach lessons. Yeah. And there are lessons to be learned in this, even in the wonky dialogue that might be, you know, written and then written in Chinese and then translated into English. Uh, if, so even through that, uh, you're getting a lesson in this. You're seeing the lesson of, of, uh, James Caulfield played by Kenneth Cloud grow. You're seeing, um, you're actually seeing growth from the teacher as well from Wayne mm-hmm. when he was refusing to teach. And eventually he, you know, he warmed up. So, I mean, there you're seeing growth from all the characters and, uh, uh, yeah. My only question about the, the white tigers in that very first sequence is those two guys are training really early in the morning. Are the white tigers coming back from an all night, like <laughs> party or are they up that early as well? No, dining hall, dude. The dining hall, like usually, oh, yeah, yeah. like man, they gotta get breakfast, son. <laughs> and if they're on the true. full meal plan, like I was in college, people. <laughs> yeah. So funny. I was. I love like canteen food. Uh, yeah. You know, like cafeteria type food. Uh, long story short, I never ate it as a kid because I had a horrific experience in kindergarten with a really mean lunch lady. So I was scared to buy school lunch uh, my whole life. So I guess maybe that's why I became fascinated with it later on. But I love my college meal plan. I was one of those few people that used to go to every meal every day, and People like, oh, I hate the food. dining hall food. I was like, I love it. Yeah. Chicken nuggets. Woo. French toast. All right. But, um, so that's, that's what I mentioned they were. They were probably, yeah, I think, they I were think, out raging all night. What, you know, what I love is uh, you were able, I was able to reveal something about Tang uh, Wing's character and you were able to reveal something about the White Tigers to me. So we, we now understand the full story of the stuff that's taking place outside of the, outside of the lens. This is beautiful. There, there we go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I would I would definitely recommend this film. And it's kind of it's interesting when you say the best ones teach lessons. Obviously, I'd say the greatest martial arts one of the greatest martial arts films for that is the Karate Kid. But let's look at what the main issue with the Karate Kid was: the fight sequences, really, mm-hmm. right? But aside from that, just a, it's a phenomenal real film. 
And so this yeah. one, yeah, we're getting some lessons, uh, not as high of production value or story, <laughs> but the fight scenes are really good. So I yeah. also recommend this movie. But before we close it out today, so I kind of like this thing where we're going from different country to different country and so forth. So last week we did Japan. This week we did uh, American Straight to VHS. So how about this? And we didn't pre-plan this. You pick a country and then I'm going to pick a movie right now. So pick a country and we'll go from there. Oh, uh, is it okay if I, is it fair if I, if I ask for something from like Indonesia, Philippines? Oh yeah. Okay. There you go. Okay. So we're going to do one from Indonesia or the Philippines. Now see the Philippines, we get real interesting because we could, there's a lot of the straight, uh, which would also be kind of American straight to VHS films. Right. And one yeah. that pops in my head is a Jerry Trimble one uh, with yeah. George Takai, which I love, but uh, I'm thinking maybe we need to mix it up a little bit. Okay. Uh, and so maybe we should do more of a, there's been a few in recent years, Filipino ones. Uh, I mean, Maria came out by bust came out you know what, let's mix it up and let's do a modern one. And I need an excuse to watch Buy Bust again. What do you okay. think? It's on Netflix. Let's uh, do it. So that's what we'll discuss. Next. I think that's a good change of pace for us. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. Uh, so there we go. Our next film, we will be discussing Buy Bust. Okay. Uh, which came out a couple years ago, Filipino action martial arts movie. And Curtis Smith stars in it. I believe that's her name. Uh, Brandon Vera, the MMA fighter. Uh, kickboxing champion so yeah that's what we'll do next okay sounds great all right man uh good chat and have a great thanksgiving and uh we'll be recording another one of these soon sounds good peace